Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store. Let's get to it. All right. Hey everyone, we're here with Travis Braden today, uh, the 2019 Snowball Derby champion. Travis, thanks for the time once again. How you doing? Hey guys, I'm, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you having me on. Hi Travis, good afternoon. Uh, where are you at these t- uh, on this afternoon? <laughs> I am actually, finally, it's been, it seems like it's been a long month, but I'm back in North Carolina now, Jess and I, um, back in North Carolina in the RV. That's awesome. Well, uh, let's talk about your snowball derby experience this year. You were the defending champion, quite the story coming in. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about that again and how your day and weekend went. Yeah, um, quite, you know, kind of for us, quite the, the task and quite the, you know, quite the eventful, you know, week or couple of weeks, really just preparing for it and then going. Um and overall, you know, I felt like we uh, we left the track, Jess and I, and, and our whole group of people that were there with us and helped us and, and all of our sponsors that helped us do it. Um, everybody was really, you know, really in good spirits and very pleased. And um, I felt like it was, a, it was a pretty stellar result considering everything that uh, went into it. So um, I guess this is probably the best time for me to, you know, kind of elaborate on what, you know, what all went into our derby this year. And it was it was quite unique, I guess I'd call it. Um, you know, I won the race last year, and uh, with a you know with a team that I'd driven for for years, and and they decided not to make the trip back this year to defend the title. And you know, I I really wanted to come back. I felt like it was something that meant something to me. Track racing to be someone that does this, you know, quite frequently, and and to to return, you know, and take that invite to come back. And so we. Um, you know, very short notice, uh, middle of October before we really knew we had to, to do it on our own. But you know, my girlfriend, Jess and I, we, we figured out, you know, ways to do it. And we fortunately were able to work with a really great uh, race team, Jake Keaton Racing and uh, the Keaton family, which uh, who are they're from West Virginia, which is actually my home state. So it was kind of a really, really kind of a, uh, I don't know, a special thing to me to just have that kind of tie and and I uh, hadn't ever met them prior, but, th- but the entire group of people had, were so respectful and, and appreciative, and, and we appreciated them. And it was just kind of a fun thing to to do with, with a group like that. And they'd never been to any uh, Super Late Model show ever. That was their first first ever Super Late Model race of, of their team's career history. Um, and the Snowball Derby is quite the effort to go and qualify in the show on time. Um, we went a lap down early, unfortunately, but we fought back. We were the only person that uh, could, could get a lap back, it seemed like, throughout the whole day and got back on the lead lap and had a top 15 finish. So really a lot more goes into it than that, but we're so appreciative of everyone that helped make it happen and and um, thankful that it worked out the way it did. Speak a little bit more about Jay Keaton Racing, how the whole deal came together. Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? And and how, how that all came together? Yeah, so 
kind of funny timing just how things have all come together this year. This year has been really strange and unique in a lot of ways. Um, but I actually drove this car that they, that, that they own um, for the previous owner back in March of this year in a car store race. Um, they bought the Keaton family bought the car middle of the summer, June, July, something like that. And, um, and I just happened to meet them through that sale, but it wasn't really anything to do with me. I just happened to, to meet them. And, and, um, you know, since we kind of, you know, from the same neck of the woods and everything, we, we've kind of made that connection and exchange information. And I let them know, you know, Hey, if you guys ever need anything, uh, you know, I know these cars really well and, and they were buying their first car. So it was like, Hey, if you need something, give me a call. And, um, I think it was the first week of October. I actually, I went to, to, um, to West Virginia to own a speedway, which is their home track where they had been racing it and helped them, um, for one weekend of racing and, and they got their first pole and first win of the season, or it might not have been their first pole, but it was their first win of the season. And, and, um, we just had a lot of fun. You know, I came in town, spent a few days before and after the race and just, uh, you know, it, it was just fun. Kind of, kind of brought me back to my roots a little bit and they're really nice people and just really easy to, easy to work with and, and, um, enjoyable. And so, you know, it was really only about a week and a half after that, that the announcement was essentially made on my behalf that I wouldn't be returning with, uh, the same team that I went to the Derby with last year. And they, Jake himself, actually, um, you know, Jake and his father, Rick are kind of the, the, the two Keatons, if you will, that, uh, you know, would, would kind of own the team. Uh, Jake reached out and was like, Hey, you know, not sure what it would take, but, um, if you want to try to do something together, we would be happy to, to consider it. And we'd love to go down and, and use our car and everything and, and do it with you if it's possible. So I actually, you know, I had some other, some other offers and things. And honestly, there might've been some offers that could have been a little easier quote unquote, but I just thought it would be a lot of fun and it would be a unique challenge um, for myself and Jess to, to take it essentially 100% control of the situation and do it on our own you know because um they just didn't know you know they'd never done that before so they didn't know what what went into it how to prepare for a race like that so it was just a challenge and it was it was they were just so nice uh easy to work with so i thought let's do that that would be a lot of fun we made it work uh, we had to get some sponsorship together and we did that and we made it work and and um but it's just funny how it all you know it really started all the way back in like the middle of the summer and it just the timing just kind of fell in place. Yeah, you found a sponsor of Northwest Florida. What is that? Air, air conditioning, yeah. AC. Um, how did you find that uh, sponsor? Yeah, we there? actually it was kind of. I, I thought it was great. We actually were able to get a, a couple of sponsors from the Pensacola area, um, Northwest Florida AC that you just mentioned, and Decent Cutting Horses. Um, that are also in Pensacola, and honestly, you know, one of the things that we of course, when we made the announcement that we were trying to, to figure out how to come back, um, you know, I reached out to Tim Bryant, Bob Zillner, you know, um, and actually someone that you may not recognize the name, but uh, very influential in the Pensacola racing community. His name's Tracy Goodson. And um, Tracy, you know, Tracy had raced, you know, back years ago at Pensacola. He was a great racer, very successful there and, and had later owned a lot of uh, race teams and race cars that, that were successful there. And, I met Tracy a few years ago and he's always been a nice guy and, and, um, you know, long or the short of it, he just kind of helped, 
me, you know, I said, Hey, I, I want to reach out to folks in the area that might be interested. And, you know, just, can you help me do that? You know, we're willing to, to do it all. You don't need you to do anything, but just, can you help me get connected with some people? And, and so he was a big part of that. Tim and Tim Bryant and Bob Donor also were very helpful in just kind of getting the word out there and, and helping us, you know, helping us paint the picture of what we needed people to see that we were the, the, the reigning champions of the race trying to come back and defend that title. And, and uh, kind of reassure everyone that we would be, you know, getting that media attention that we would need to kind of make it worth our sponsors' while. That is awesome information there, man. It's such a unique story that you guys had. Let's talk about when you got down there, how everything went. Uh, decent in practice. Then you had a sweat out qualifying a little bit, but not as bad as last year. One spot better. Yeah, you know, honestly. Um, I guess it's, you know, there's so many cars and so many things going on. The uh, I think the public perception of the week was a little different from the reality just because um, kind of how it ended up going. You know, we we didn't test. I'd never been in the car before, you know, and all that stuff. Um, I did a lot of work to the car before the race, you know, put a new radiator in it, changed a lot of things, new transmission. Like, this is a lot of work to this car. And so, um you know, the first, the first round of practice was just a shakedown, you know, we're not even on the right tires. And it was just like, Hey, go around like five laps and see what's, you know, what everything looks like, make sure there's no rubs and leaks and all that. And, and we actually did, we had a, a really, really bad vibration um, on our first set of tires, which was an old set of tires. And um, so we were 50th in practice. And that was the only story that got published all weekend on my behalf on speed 51's Facebook page was that, you know, Oh, they're 50th in practice. And that's kind of like, wow, you know, like that's not even remotely um, accurate, I guess, because we haven't really practiced yet. We just made a couple of laps and I had a vibration and I pulled in the pits, you know? Um, so I think that misled a lot of people because we really did have a really solid race car um, all week. You know, and, and one of the things that also played into that was the fact that, you know, Thursday and Friday morning practices, pretty much everyone was just focused on qualifying trim because obviously uh, probably one of the most competitive fields ever at the Derby. So it meant a lot to be able to qualify in the show because it was going to be really hard to race in the show if you didn't qualify in. Um, but since I had that provisional, we, we never did any, you know, qualifying trim runs and the few people that we compared ourselves to that did make a couple of race runs, we felt really, you know, really solid with our car. Of course, you're always looking for more, but uh, we kind of knew that we had a top, you know, at least a top 15 car right off the bat. And and so um, anyway, it just played out kind of funky the way that, that people perceived it, I felt like, but we had a really strong car, um, qualified in, you know, on time with really no effort, you know, especially compared to those other teams. And, and I felt like, I really honestly didn't didn't step up enough in qualifying just really because of the lack of knowing how much grip I was going to have because we didn't do mock rounds. Um, so I was really pleased. I, it looked maybe different, but I was ecstatic that we were able to qualify in basically minimal effort, zero effort, qualifying on time and get us in the show and, and go after it on Sunday. And, and uh, the race, you know, I felt like we had a great car in the race, but the one thing that played against us there was just um, such long runs early in the race. And, you know, everyone's trying to hang on to stand the lead lap and we just couldn't get out of that gaggle of cars and we got lapped with all the rest of them and um, we eventually got it back, but it was just a little too late to make a charge, you know? So overall, 
that's kind of how the weekend went. And um, I looked at it as extremely successful, you know, basically zero expectations going in. And to pull it all off, I felt ecstatic. What was the team's reaction knowing that you had this provisional, so you were going to be in the show? And did that factor into the deal coming together? But then to make it on time, you guys had, like, you were ecstatic, but the team had to be over the moon. Yeah, of course, that was like really important because it was like, you know, for us, you know, really for Jess and I, like to have to make sure we had the sponsorship and everything in line, like, that was the most important part was making sure we knew no matter what we were going to start this race because that means a lot. Um, you know, obviously it costs a lot of money to race on a race like that. And, you know, I'm not one of the most fortunate. I'm not, you know, Kyle Bush or someone like that. That's going to have all this media attention, no matter how you perform. So like, that's really the only thing that I can guarantee is that I'm going to be in the show and I can only guarantee that we'll get talked about because of that. So, um, that was huge in helping us just, you know, get people to trust us that this was going to happen and it was going to be legitimate. And that's a big part of it. So, um, but then, yeah, I mean, to actually not even have to use a provisional and qualify in and, and, um, you know, heck, I think we were a 10th of a second faster than what I qualified last year in a, in a car that we had, you know, dominated all season in and I knew the car really well, you know, so to be, to be that competitive, I was very pleased and the team was, you know, they, I don't know that they were – I don't know that they could really prepare themselves mentally for what it was going to feel like on Derby Week, right? I think when you look at this stuff from a distance, it looks like a big deal. But when you're actually there and you see how hard it is and, and how many of these big-name teams and drivers don't qualify in and, and just the energy that's there like on qualifying night, um, I think it was quite the quite the eye-opener at that point, I'm sure, that like, wow, we just um, – we kind of did that on our own, you know, and, and it was definitely a cool feeling for us all. You know, looking at your Facebook page, it looks like, you know, there's some people that you didn't meet till Thursday and then uh, racer uh, Perry Patino, he, he stepped up on board to help you in the pits. And then you had a friend from Ohio, Devin Rogers for Jackman. It sounds like everything all is kind of <laughs> <laughs> thrown together here really last minute, but a lot of people uh, came out of the woodwork to pitch in to help you out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like there's no way that we could have ever, you know, had a big enough budget to just hire, you know, the, all the right people. And really as late in the going as it was, um, everyone's already got a deal, right? I mean, you're not going to call anyone that's got experience for the Derby that's still available come November, you know, it's just not, they're all taken. And so, um, you know, we had great people that, that stepped up to help, but they just didn't, you know, have the experience. And, and, um, you know, that was part of the kind of part of the experience. I felt like for me, it was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that as a problem. Like you just have to make sure that you're managing the people around you and making them aware of what, you know, what you need of them. And, and they'll take care of you. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, I can't think of any, the whole week, you know, I can't think of any issues that we had that weren't easily solved. And everyone kind of was able to, to do what they needed to do. We had zero issues on payroll during the race, all that stuff. And, and again, I, I go back to that was, that was kind of fun, really, for Jess and I to, to have the, the reins to totally prepare this race car, this race team, the people around it, the sponsorship, do all of it 100% just me and her. And 
do it and be successful. I mean, that was really a huge accomplishment for us to do it for the first time at the Snowball Derby. So uh, one other person I want to mention, Justin Withers, who is normally my spotter. Um, he spotted for me the whole week, but he also was a huge part of uh, really helping, you know, Jess and I keep it, um, you know, keep everything moving smoothly and keep taking care of our tires and, and just all that stuff. Justin is prob- probably the only other person on the team that had ex- at least some experience um, at that level and, and doing this stuff. So the three of us really on race weekend had to make sure everyone else, you know, knew what was needed to be done and, and it went smoothly. So I don't know. It was, it was a lot of work. It was a huge challenge. Um, I mean, just simply getting that car prepared to go to the racetrack was just a ton of time and work, but super rewarding. I felt like when we left the place with a lead lap finish top 15, I mean, uh, I'm not sure too many people can say that on their first try they did something like that, and I felt like that says a lot to to us about what we could hopefully do in the future. Oh, absolutely! I I think it absolutely does, and says a lot about you and everyone that came together to do it. What what went into picking the number 14? Uh, that was a number that traditionally hasn't been related to you at all, to my knowledge, but uh, number 14, and, and it was a beautiful-looking 14 with the icicles look yeah. off of it. Uh, really, honestly, that's just been you know, Jake Keaton Racing's number. Um, they had a different you know, font and everything, so we kind of wanted to, to spice it up a little bit and just kind of make a different you know, font style. We actually had a little bit of fun on social media because – I'm a forward slanting number guy, and a lot of people are like, oh, no, they got to slant to the right, or they got to slant back. And so we had this fun kind of debate about it on Twitter. Not that it influenced my decision. I was stuck. I was doing it forward. But um, anyway, the number was just – that's their number. That's the team's number. And that's one of the things that we wanted to kind of, you know, do was just keep keep their number and keep their name on the quarter panel to kind of show – you know, make sure people knew that this was, was their, their race team and their equipment, uh, get them a little bit of exposure and, and, uh, hopefully that was something that they could enjoy. And I think they did. So that's where it came from. How was the car on Sunday? You went down a lap early, you know, probably due to track position and trying to get by guys as hard there, especially on older tires. How was the car on Sunday? Were you battling a loose condition, tight condition? Was there something else going on? Yeah. How uh, was the car? Honestly, the dang car was was unfortunately a lot better than the 13th place that we even got. Um, just honestly, what, what really kind of hurt us was, of course, the track position doesn't help. But, um, you know, we, we kind of knew our first set of tires was like our biggest stagger set. And that first run, like I was I wasn't wrecking loose, but I was real close to it. And I just kept you know, we started 29th and it was like lap 10. I just slipped up a little bit and I got freight trained and I was running 36th, you know, right before you knew it. And, you know, we had a better car than that. It was just the way it all played out. There was no cautions. There was no wrecks. And we just, you know, we got trapped back there and got a lap down. And, and the whole day, like, you know, there would maybe be five or six other cars go a lap down in front of us. But then once we would get a caution and pit and everything, then we would always pass all those cars and we would always be the first car lap down. No problem. Like we could pass anyone. We would usually pass lead lap cars that were, you know, starting in front of us, but someone that was like at the tail of the lap down cars or the lead lap cars would get, would always get lapped right before the caution came out. And so they would get the lucky dog instead of me. And it just, 
man, it was such hard work. And my spotter, Justin, you know, he and I basically called the race from the spotter stand in the, in the seat of the car, just kind of keeping track of who's where on race monitor and what lap we're on, what kind of tire cycle everyone's doing. And we did, I felt a great job and we, we positioned ourselves the best we could. And it just, it didn't work until too late. I think it was like lap 270 or something like that before I finally got a lucky dog and then there was another caution. So um, I don't think we got back racing green flag until five to go with me on the lead lap. And, you know, at that point we had, I felt like we had a good enough car that we could have passed at least up into the top 10, no problem. But, you know, that's one of those deals where for us to just do it, I mean, knowing what we left there accomplishing, that finished position was awesome, I felt. But knowing that really we could have done even better, like, I, I don't know. I'm very pleased with it. Everyone on our team was extremely pumped, and and um, we had fun. I mean, that was the key about the whole thing really, too, was we wanted to return because we, we won the race last year and we have that title. But, you know, it's all about having fun, being a part of it making this an experience for fans to engage in. And and uh, I think it was kind of fun for so many people that followed us and followed me this whole weekend to kind of see from start to finish how that all went and then watch the race and just, you know, all day long, you see us marching forward and marching forward. And, and you know, so for our little group of people that were watching the Snowball Derby, I think it was a real thrill. And, you know, hopefully that was a good little piece of making this year's Derby a big deal. You know, it, it looked like uh, during the race, the outside groove was a kind of a disadvantage, especially on restarts. Did you experience any of that, or did you use any of that to your advantage? It seemed like it came and went. Like, um, you know, definitely, you know, usually in the past, like that's kind of how we won the race last year was on a restart, you could really roll for two or three laps on the outside, and then you had to get down because the inside was going to start rolling quick. But for two laps, the bottom just wasn't good enough, and you could run up top. Uh, but this year was kind of the other way around. We're on a different compound tire this year, um, which honestly was another thing that threw me for a loop just because, you know, I don't race at Pensacola. The last race I ran there was the Derby last year, and we were on a different tire. So it was definitely a lot different, and I think a lot of guys were struggling with it, and I think that's kind of where it where it played played its role was just on restarts. You know, it just didn't, it didn't grip up on the outside, and you'd go into the corner, and you just couldn't turn. So... Um, the outside definitely wasn't preferred. Uh, I think I think the I think Pensacola usually is a is a bottom groove track on long runs, no matter what. But it just seemed like normally you had to be on the bottom, even on a restart, if you wanted to get any track position. They moved the race up one hour on Sunday due to the potential threat to weather. Um, did that? Uh, change your mind on setup or do anything different for the car before the race or during really, the race? Not a lot. I mean, it was only an hour, you know, and, and the way the weather forecast looked, um, it was pretty much going to be cloudy all day and uh, pretty steady, you know, lower 60s all day. So, you know, for us, we didn't think that the track was really going to be much different than what it would have been starting an hour later. Um, so we, we didn't change anything ourselves. Um, like I said, though, the one thing, it definitely we were really free um so we had to tighten the car up kill some stagger and stuff like that for the rest of the race but um i don't think that was really the track i think that was the weather i think that was just 
the way that the track was on that given day. I'm not sure. That place is really, you know, temperamental for sure. So It was also a very clean race, very few cautions, and unofficially the fastest derby in history. Uh, just incredible, something that typically you don't see down yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I was blown away by by the lack of cautions. And, you know, I wasn't worried about starting in the back, but that's kind of the reason that you don't usually worry about it too much is, you know, if you have a good car, it's a long race. Um, you know, you'll pick off you'll pick off some cars on, on long runs, but then you kind of need that caution to bunch everybody back up and kind of reset and pass a few more cars if you have a good good enough car. And this race this year just didn't didn't play out that way at all. Um, I know we had at least two runs that were the full 75 green flag lap limit, uh, maybe even three runs like that. So that's just, you know, very unique. But I think, you know, I think what that says is it just kind of shows how good of a field of cars we had this year. Um, I mean, even the guys when I was racing back there and, you know, the beginning of the beginning of the race back in 30th and 35th and all that stuff, I mean, everybody's cars were handling relatively well. Um, you didn't see anyone that was just out there hanging on and on the verge of wrecking like you, like you sometimes do. So um, I think that's why it was so clean. You know, we just had a lot of good cars. Everyone was really close in speed. So, you know, really to an extent, not a lot of passing. And, you know, you got to be racing somebody to end up wrecking them. So I think that played into the lack of cautions and, and um, really isn't a bad thing. I mean, you don't need every year to be a wreck fest and not that it usually is a wreck fest, but um, it really just, it gave this year's show an opportunity course and the good cars finished up front and everyone else kind of found their home. <laughs> I see that, uh, with JKR racing, that was just a one race deal. Um, um, that they're going to continue racing on. Um, where are they going to go back to, and uh, where are they going, and are they going to go super late racing since they've never done it before? And uh, do you uh, got anything in your future uh, so, coming up? You know, Jake Keaton's team, Jake Keaton Racing. Um, you know, really, what they do or, or have done is just they they typically just race at um, Ona Speedway, which is really about like 10 minutes, I think maybe 12 minutes from their house or their shop, uh, which is in Barbersville, West Virginia. <clears throat> and they, um, that's what they've been doing all season. That's kind of what they, they, their plan was when they bought this car, you know, earlier in the summer. Um, and that, you know, that's their main focus for, for next year. You know, they, they really enjoy racing there and it's kind of a fun, fun atmosphere for all of their friends and family and a lot of their employees and things like that to, to be a part of. So <clears throat> that's their main focus. But I do think that um, I'm not sure, but I, it, I kind of got the vibe that they might want to, to venture off and do some, you know, some hundred lap races on, on, you know, maybe like a car store circuit or, or maybe even just a, <clears throat> like a South Boston or something like that, that, that has a little bit, you know, bigger races or, or longer shows. And, and uh, so we'll see, I don't really know, but uh you know, I did tell them, hey, if you ever want to do that stuff, just, just give me a holler. And I and, uh, really appreciated what they let me do. So, you know, if they plan on doing that, I'll probably – you'll probably see me at the track somewhere helping them out a little bit, making sure that they, uh, you know, get their best foot forward with that car if they go venturing off a little bit and having some fun. As far as uh, – the other part of your question, as far as my plans for, for 2021, um, I really honestly don't have any plans at, at the moment. Uh, a lot of things in the works and 
and uh, you'll definitely see me at a racetrack somewhere, I'm sure, unless I wake up one day and decide the heck with all this stuff. But uh, <laughs> I doubt that'll happen. And there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of things that I'm working on, nothing I can really say definitively right now, but, you know, probably sometime in January, um, hopefully I'll kind of have some sort of, some sort of plan in place that, that people can follow along with and we can get 2021 racing season started, hopefully. Well, we can't wait to hear what's in store uh, for you next. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last uh, half a year or so. Uh, we can't thank you enough for your time, what you did with Jake Keaton Racing their family, their friends, and what you did um, with you and Jess this weekend was incredible. It felt like a win for you and that team, and I'm sure it felt like it for you as well. Um, just amazing, man. Uh, kudos to you, Jay Keaton Racing, Jess, everyone involved in it. and We can't wait to talk to you again, right, man. Guys, it's, well, been, I really it's been awesome. It. I know Jess does too, and I know all the, the Jay Keaton Racing um, you know, friends, family, employees. I know everyone really appreciates um, all those that have paid attention to us the past week and, and kind of cheered us along. So we appreciate you guys. And uh, anytime you need anything, just give me a holler. Hey, you and Jess have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe running up with you this uh, next year. Yes, some, sir. Thank you very the much. Have a, have a great Christmas, guys. Great holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you, man. <clears throat> This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.